This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Hey YA, from great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by Erica Azafetti and me, Tirza Price. We are recording this on April 21st. Hello, Erica. Hey, hey, hey. What's up? How are you? I am well. How about you? I'm doing better now that we're talking about books. Yeah, (laughs) books. Books, books, books. Yes, that is always a good thing. And I so look forward to our every other Friday recording sessions because I am like, yay, today I get to chat about books with Erica, which is always fun. Yes, it's always fun. And we're both a bunch of chatty Cathy's when it comes to this. So we could talk all day. That's putting it mildly. (laughs) It's always a good time. Yes. And I've been loving your updates on your kitten, Dolly Purton. Dolly Purton. Yes. She, <laughs> she has the best name. She does. She's very, she's very floofy, but she's still very petite. And oh. I look at her and I think like, man, she's grown so much since she was like this tiny little neonate that we saved from the cold November rain. Um, but oh then like, God. I see her next to her big brothers and I'm like, she's still so small. She's still really small. Yeah. She has she, a presence though. Okay. She Some does. might even call it a stage presence. She does. She <laughs> she loves jumping up onto things. Like she every morning oh, while I'm making breakfast, she usually jumps up on top of the kitchen cabinets and she gets up there and she like bats at the ceiling and I'm like, You're not gonna get past the ceiling, my friend. Like the buck stops she, there. <laughs> she never heard. She said glass ceiling where? <laughs> right. Or concrete ceiling, whatever this drywall, whatever it is. <laughs> this plaster does not stand a chance against me and my claws. Okay. Yeah. And she just meows and she's very feisty. Um, I felt bad for her though, because last night I went to go throw something away in the trash can and I have one of those trash cans that has the lid that, you know, you pop up by um, putting your foot down on the, the pedal. Mm-hmm. And she likes to sit on top of the trash can because it's next to a window. So she looks out the window and she's it's on top of it well she was unbeknownst to me because i didn't see her out of the corner of my eye she was launching herself to the top of the trash can at the same time that i went to go open it and so poor poor baby she ended up oh. in the trash can and she was like what and i was like let me and then she, it's like but she didn't want me to help her out because she was pissed understandably and so i was like trying to pick her up and she's like you know slashing at me and i was like fine stay in the trash can for all i care stay in the trash oh can call her oscar grouch oscar yes. rena that is kind of funny yes. you know jorts the orange yes, cat jorts yes his his uh forays into the trash can they they were more uh on purpose though i believe yeah if i recall correctly yeah, Dolly definitely did not want to stay in the trash can. She didn't want to end up there. She was very offended. Poor baby. I know. Very cute. Yes. But yes, that's the Dolly update. <laughs> I appreciate it. I I look forward to them whenever they come. Whenever they come, I love them. Oh my gosh. So 
you have some fun bookish news for us this week. I do. I think you'll be able to speak on it a little more because I still haven't read the books or the movies. <laughs> but <laughs> but Twilight, a Twilight TV series has been announced. It's going to be released by Lionsgate Television. Um, Lionsgate also released the movies. So Stephanie Myers is um, going to be in, is supposed to be heavily involved with it. So I feel like for fans of the franchise, they should get you know get something good. Yeah, I still don't know. I've seen I see people like I've seen the memes of Twilight, and I'm not a Twilight hater. Like. I have no, you know, I have no problem. I know some people are like, when something's like super popular, people are like, oh, doo, 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 doo. and that's fine too. I get it. But I haven't, I haven't read the books or seen the movies in their entirety. I've seen clips. I've seen like the silly <laughs> parodies and stuff of them, which they give me life. They are yes. pretty great, even though I haven't seen the movies. But I know this is going to be a big thing. Yeah, people were like very much, very excited about this. Um, I saw a lot of exciting excited exclamations across social media and you know the people i see getting really excited about it tend to be adults which um, i think is interesting too um although i do think that there are teens who are still discovering twilight all the time like you know the books still go out in my library they go out to teens so it's not just like adults coming in and checking them out um, which i find really interesting and you know, Twilight got like a whole generation of adults into reading YA and many of those adults, like some of them turned to writing YA. So definitely you can see why there's still like that built in audience. Um, I do admit that like my first reaction was like, we already have Twilight adaptations. Do we really yeah. need to tell them yeah, that's real. in like a different format? But it is a trend that I've noticed because Vampire Academy, which was also very popular around the Twilight time, not as popular as Twilight, but still pretty popular. There was a um, movie adaptation I think like around 2014, 2015, the movie is um, very cringe, but fun. And if like, if you want to watch a bad movie for fun, I highly recommend the Vampire Academy movie. And like, I I don't even say this to be mean, like, because I love that movie so much, but it's there, there are parts of it where I, I am cringing and laughing at the same time. There are really good, bad movies. There are. And that is one of them. That movie, though, or that series has just been adapted yet again into a TV show on Peacock. And I watched the first, yeah, I watched like the first three or so episodes because I love the Vampire Academy books. Like they came out like when I was an actual teen and I love them. And so I watched the first um, few episodes on Peacock. And it's really interesting to see how they they change things. They update it. Um, the TV show is much more diverse than the movie was. And then, the, and then right. you know, much more diverse than the books were as well. So that's kind of like nice to see diversity on the screen. But like also there is a small part of me that's always like, but why don't we adapt something new for once? But we all know Hollywood. They like a sure bet. And if something is popular or they feel like it can make money because there is a built-in audience, like it's going to be there. So I wonder, so you're talking about the the built-in audience as like, especially as it pertains to Twilight, but then there are also, you know, the original series was, is and was YA. So it's, you know, directed towards a certain age category. So I wonder, do you think that with this new Twilight TV series adaptation thing going on, that should they 
cater to the already the built-in audience oh. who are older now or should they keep it teen related should it be like edward i don't know how they end up i'm assuming they end up together like i said I've 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 heard so much of Twilight that I'm pretty sure I know like you know the gist of it. I'm pretty sure like Edward and Bella don't they have like a they have like a okay spoiler, spoiler alert, alert. They have a kid or something spoiler alert they have a kid or something we kind of talked about it before I'm like should it show them like now in their current thing like yeah maybe? that's an interesting perspective too because um, since we've already invoked the spoilers for Twilight. You know, in the fourth yes. book, Bella and Edward get married and they have a kid. And, like, th- those are more adult things that, you know, not saying that only adults do that. But, like, you know, the- Bella's 18. So, technically, she is an adult. But, like, you don't see a lot of YA books covering marriage and having children. So, um, like, they could no. like, sort of lean into that more adult um, perspective as well, because there are a lot of adult fans. I don't know. I'll be really curious to see which direction they go with this. And if yeah. they change things up, if they try to make it, like, a very loyal, straightforward adaptation, I don't know. There's just a yeah. lot to consider. But... I feel like even though I am no huge Twilight fan, I will probably watch the TV series just out of an abundance of curiosity. Yes. I'm also curious. Yeah. I am curious. I did hear some of the stuff was a little cringe, like some of the, but I feel like I should see it for myself. Like some of the stuff in the um, movie, like especially, I was seeing a breakdown for it. I felt like the breakdown was objective, but yeah. It's like when he, like Edward would be annoyed with her kind of or something. You know, it's, it's interesting because there's so much of the emotional angst in the books that is not, doesn't translate well into Mm. the movies, but like it's there, but it doesn't translate to the same level that is in there in the books. So um, yeah, it would be definitely an experience. Maybe our next buddy read should be Twilight. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) Like a combination of like that and maybe the movies or oh something. Oh my gosh, like how yeah. That's a whole undertaking. So Yeah, it's going to be a whole undertaking, but it sounds like a wild ride. Yes. So, you know, you might have that to look it forward does. to. <laughs> I, okay, listen. Oh. One more thing, if you're looking for fascinating stories, informed takes, useful advice, and more from experts in the world of books and reading, subscribe to our newest newsletter. It's called The Deep Dive and get exclusive content delivered right to your inbox. You can subscribe and choose your membership level today at bookriot.substack.com. It's $5 a month. and For that, you'll get a deep dive edition of our newsletter in your inbox twice a month. But if you're on the fence, not quite sure about things, you can get a free subscription as well. It's called The Splash Pad, and it rounds up some of our experts' recommended reading and bookish lifestyle goods monthly. So if you're interested in that, definitely check that out. All right. Well, we should hear from our first sponsor, and then we'll talk about um, our subject for today. Today's episode is brought to you by A Tempest of Tea by Hafsa Faisal. 
So Arthur Casimir is a criminal mastermind and collector of secrets. Her prestigious tea room transforms into an illegal bloodhouse by night because obviously it does. It caters to the vampires feared by society, but when her establishment is threatened, she has to make a deal with an alluring adversary. So Arthi hatches a plan to infiltrate the sinister, glittering vampire society known as the Ethereum, but not everyone in her ragtag crew is on her side. And as the truth behind the heist unfolds, Arthi finds herself in the midst of a conspiracy that will threaten the world as she knows it. So this is the highly anticipated next project from the author of We Hunt the Flame. It's got a fierce female lead. The story is fun and fast paced while also exploring significant themes like colonialism, prejudice, betrayal, and self-acceptance. I mean, it's got vampires and heists. Make sure to check it out, get into it, and thanks again to A Tempest of Tea by Hafsa Faisal for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of Anita De Monte Laughs Last by Sochil Gonzalez. So this is one of my most anticipated books of the year. It follows two women of color who are in the art world, but who also kind of sit outside of it because of a lack of privilege. So the story is told from both of their perspectives and it moves back and forth through time. So in 1985, Anita DeMonte is a rising star in the art world and she's found dead in New York City, right? And then in 1998, Raquel, a third year art history student, becomes involved with an older, more privileged art student and finds herself rising up the social ranks as a result. But then she also stumbles upon Anita's story and she sees parallels between Anita's story and her own. So Anita DeMonte Laughs Last is a propulsive, witty examination of power. Make sure to pick it up. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of Anita DeMonte Laughs Last by Sochil Gonzalez for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so Erica, you were the one who told me that sometimes we can steal podcast ideas from other book riot podcasts which yes i'm all for i'm super excited um so you actually came up with this one which i think is so fun we are going to talk about science fiction and fantasy worlds that we would happily live in versus the ones we'd say heck no to mm. mm-hmm. this i got this idea from jen northington we did it for um an episode of sff yeah i believe um, yeah, because there were a couple podcasts I subbed for her with her. Um, but yeah, I was like, yoink, taking yes. it, stealing the idea. It was such a fun episode to do. So I'm excited. I'm glad you agreed to it. Oh, yes. But I have a I have a question for you. What, like what I was noticing. OK, so some of these it's like, I don't know, like with so with SFF. Yeah, I feel like I had an easier time of finding books with worlds that I would want to live in. Like basically all the books that I read, I liked the books when I read them. But with the YA books, I feel like... Sometimes they're pretty dark. Yeah. And it's like, I still love the books because like as far as YA goes, I think SFF, science fiction and fantasy is like my favorite genre to read in YA. So I have a lot to choose from, but I'm like... But would I want to live here? No. So it was kind of like, and some of the, some of my would live in choices are kind of like, ooh, like with a disclaimer, you know what I mean? So I'm like, I feel like with the YA SFF books, 
fewer of them, fewer of the worlds are appealing to me. I feel like there's more overall strife or like the systems in place are like worse and harder to ignore versus the adult SFF books. So I don't know if you had that experience. Yeah, that was an interesting um, thing to know. Like, cause I, I immediately just started thinking about like fantasy series and fantasy books that I love. And a lot of them I'm like, Oh my mm-hmm. God, this book is so amazing. I love it. Oh no, I would not want to live there. Um, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So I actually had to sit down and really struggle to think like, okay, which ones would I actually want to live in? Um, and yeah, I, I did think of some adult ones, but we are not doing adult books because this is Hey YA. So I did think of two, two that I would happily live in. And one, Mm -hmm. not necessarily because it's a happy, happy land, but because I have sentimental feelings about the world building and I, I like the book. So we're just going to go with that. Right. Yeah. That's that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Yeah. I feel like some of these, the ones that I would live in, I'm like, yeah, I would have to, like, at the end of the duology or series, I can live in that right. world, like, where y'all, you know, fix some stuff. I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait till y'all, I'm gonna wait till y'all fix it, and then I'm gonna shimmy on in there. Yes. But before, I'm not sure. So. Yeah, the, like, the caveat, like, I would live in here after the world has been saved and whatnot. Uh, after the end of the last page, thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So which is your first world you'd like to live in? Okay. So I would totally a thousand percent live in the Tortal world by Tamara Pierce, her Tortal series. So she has written multiple series um, of books that are all set in this fantastical world. Tortal is just one character, one country, excuse me, out of all of this fantasy world. Um, but it's, you know, the central country where most of her books are set. So she has written the Song of the Lioness Quartet, which actually turns 40 this year, if what? you can believe it. I know. Um, and sidebar, there is a gorgeous 40th anniversary edition of the four books in that series that um, is releasing in August. And they are Ooh. beautiful, beautiful covers. Ooh. And they're releasing in both paper and back and hardcover. So I have to get the hardcovers, obviously. Obviously. I'm sure. But I love that series. And it's, you know, I read it when I was like 11 or 12. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And it's, you know, as far as world building goes, I won't say that it's like the most fantastic, entertaining, spectacular world building. But it's feel it's one of those it's one of those worlds where I've read so many books set into it. And like it is real enough to me and comforting enough to me that I feels like if I had to live there, it would feel somewhat familiar. Nice. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So most of the books are set in Tortal, but some of the series we go to other countries, other um, like island um, nations, and you do kind of get around the continent quite a bit. So I would definitely live in Tortal. And I would be happy to live in the capital kingdom or maybe like along the coast. Um, There's a lot of really great, just like a lot of really great settings. The first part of the Alana series, you know, it's a pretty straightforward sort of like medieval inspired fantasy land. Later on, you get like a lot of magical creatures inhabiting the world because of like some sort of ripping the fabric between um you know the the mortal world and like then the world of like 
immortal beings. So there, there's a lot of like, you know, dangerous immortal beings that then inhabit Tortal later on. But anyhow, it's always a really fun world to return to in books. And it's like not too dangerous. I think <laughs> that uh, I would not want to live there. Yeah. I do have to say, although Tamara Pierce has not like explicitly written a ton of queer characters in her world, mm-hmm. as she has written in this world over the last 40 years, her books have gotten progressively more diverse, I think, as she has like learned and grown as a writer. And those um, Alana books have always been somewhat of um, an appealing read for queer people. So uh, even though there is now there's like no homophobia in the book books, but like there's also like no, you know, outwardly queer and out characters either i think that they're probably you know i'm just gonna go ahead and assume that there probably wouldn't be too much homophobia so i'd happily live there right do you think in her older books some of the characters are like coded as queer but they're just not out or is it there's not any of that either Uh, you know i think there's a lot to be wondered about when it comes to like Alana because she spends like half of the series disguised as a boy that's fair but she also is very much like she's she does not present as trans at all. Like right. she's very much like she's a woman. She likes being a woman. She values the part of her that is a woman. But she just also wants to be a cool kick butt knight. So mm-hmm. there's that. There are a couple male characters that I think are coded as gay and one that like y- y- I think might be confirmed bisexual. Um, I'd have to go back and read again because I've forgotten. But then there's also a character later on, like the the Kel series. Like I could totally see Kel being queer. Like she definitely has relationships with men. But like at the end of her series, she's just like, eh, forget the guys. I'm going to go out and be a knight. And I'm like, maybe you just need a good lady Ooh. to settle down with Kel. Ooh. Or not settle down with, just a lady. So anywho, that's my answer. Nice. I love Tortal. I would live there. Nice. Tortal sounds pretty nice. I must admit, I don't remember if I mentioned this during the other podcast, but you're at Hey YA now, so I'm going to mention again in case I did. But I would like to live in the world of Ray Bear by Jordan Infueco on the condition that things are sorted by the time I get there. <laughs> All right. I need I need some house cle- housekeeping, house cleaning done. You know, we got to sort out this uh, monarchy situation, you know. It has great potential to be a really cool place to live, I think. So the magic system in here is really interesting and cool. It takes place in and like, I was going to say an African-inspired world. But I feel like that's just where these characters are. And they're, they're working within the world that they know. And by that, I mean, I don't know that the world that's presented that's talked about in the book is all that there is to this world. If that makes sense. Like there might be, you know, alternate Asia's and Europe's and stuff like that in, in Antarctica and all that. But it's just that the story is focused here and it has like, it has really interesting um, like music and art and food and clothing. And all of those things are like woven into the magic system. And it kind of just makes everything feel like, magical and beautiful and nice and um, but there is an issue of like um the underworld coming to collect children so that's a problem yeah you know what i mean like don't be a kid (laughs) you know if i make it out of uh, adolescence 
Uh, that's why I was like, y'all got to clean that up first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I would love to vacation there, but if y'all could just like fix that. Um, I believe by the end of the second book, second book, which I still have not read because there are so many good books, but I really, really, really liked Ray Bearer. It's so good. But yes, I believe the main character is going to get everything together. And um, this book is very diverse with uh, obviously African inspired, like black characters, but also I think characters from like the Middle East and Asia, I believe, and different stuff queer characters, stuff like that. So yeah, and it's just, I would love to see this adapted for a show. We're talking about Mm. adaptations. This would be so cool because like I said, I have loved science fiction and fantasy YA since forever and I still love it. I've seen a lot of like the medieval stuff and that's fun and great and cool. And I've loved, you know, all the dragons and, and all that good stuff. But I would also like to see different magic systems. And this one offers such a new... It just kind of like refreshes the genre for me um, in a good way. And I feel like I would love to see that on screen. Like there are different, like different groups that have, you know, different magic systems and stuff. Like there's one, I think they have, I forgot what they're called, but they deal with like wind and they have these like body markings and stuff like that. Or no, is that if they get, if they get, no, I'm sorry, I misspoke. That's if they get sent down to the underworld as children. Never mind. But the art would be cool to look at. You see what I'm so they okay, so it's a cool world. I would I love this book. I love this like series or duology. I think it would be fun to live in once they once they get rid of the demons. And that's yeah. <laughs> get, get rid of those demons. Get rid of those Gen- demons. Good general rule of thumb. Just a general, you know, like I like to read about them a little bit. Like, you know, they add a little spice, a little change of pace. But I'm gonna need those to be taken out. Real quick. Thanks yeah. so much. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I would live there if they, you know, if they fix that. Fair enough. So my next pick is Sorcery of Thorns by Margaret Rogerson. Um, and then there was a novella sequel that just came out this year called The Mysteries of Thorn Manor. I would definitely live in this um, world, although with some caution because there's a lot of magic that is just kind of running amok and you got to be careful not to get caught up into it. Um, It's kind of, how do I describe this world? It's about as like developed in terms of like technology and whatnot as like the Victorian era, but it's definitely not like our Victorian era. Right. It's definitely its own fantastical world. There's magic. There, it's called sorcery. Um, most people think of sorcery as something that's dangerous, and so it's regulated every which way. But the main sort of setting for the opening of Sorcery of Thorns is a library. And in this world, there are many great libraries. And you know I love a good library. Um, So I was like, oh, a world with so many great libraries? Sign me up. That does sound nice. Yes. And the libraries are very fancy and beautiful. And lots of people work there. And they're very important to the society. And they also, I mean, they have like, you know, your regular books. But what's really cool about this library, especially like the world, the libraries feel like their own little world within this fantasy world. Mm. There's 
like the books are not just like these static objects, like they are living, breathing things. And so the librarians are as much like librarians as they are almost like caretakers. It almost feels what? like a zoo. Like they're like little, like they have to like look toward the health and the well-being of the books and the collection as well as like protect it. And so part of this too is like grimoires, which, you know, contain magic are very much like these active things that like can escape. And if they're like, if they contain really dark magic, like you really got to have them in <laughs> on lockdown uh, and they can be really dangerous if they yeah. escape, they can actually like morph into creatures that kill people. Oh, well. So like, I wouldn't want to encounter a grimoire. Um, and I'm not sure if I'd want to be the type of librarian who has to wield a sword, but I would like to work in a magical library in this lovely fantasy land where there's a lot of cool things going on, but like maybe after the the events of sorcery of thorns when a lot of things get cleaned up okay yeah that's another it's another little one that needs a little disclaimer (laughs) right yes that does sound really nice i might join you there once they uh get those grimoires unlock put them in a pin or something with a padlock or something you know there's also demons in this one but generally speaking the demons are usually under somebody's control, but like if you do run into a rogue demon, you're kind of in trouble. But um, you know, what's life without a little bit of risk? What's life without a little bit of demonic like death? You know, like <laughs> what is is life worth living? Even I one would one would ask. But yeah, so that does sound really cool, though. I'm not even lie. So yes, we have more fantastic, fantastical worlds. We're going to hear once more from our sponsor real quick. Today's episode is brought to you by Daughter of the Bone Forest by Jasmine Sky. Bone familiar Rosie spends most of her days in the Bone Forest, hiding her powers to avoid conscription by the Witch King's army. But when she saves the life of Princess Shaw, she's offered the chance to attend the prestigious school Witch Hall. And at Witch Hall, Rosie finds herself embroiled in political games she doesn't understand. Shaw wants Rosie as a partner to help lead the coming war. Meanwhile, all Rosie wants is to stay out of trouble, but she can't really deny her attraction to Shaw. So the question is, will Rosie give in to her destiny or will the Bone Forest call her home once and for all? Daughter of the Bone Forest by Jasmine Sky is for all the magic school lovers. This immersive magic school is full of witches and familiars. It's also a queer normative fantasy world with a sapphic slow burn romance like we love. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Daughter of the Bone Forest by Jasmine Sky for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by National Geographic Books. The Cave is the incredible memoir of Imani Balur, a young doctor and activist who ran an underground hospital in Damascus, humanizing the enduring crisis in Syria. The only woman to have ever run a wartime hospital in Syria, she saved many from the atrocities of war while having to face the patriarchal conservatism around her. Amani Balor is a game changer. Listen, she will be remembered as one of history's greatest. She's a passionately committed humanitarian, and she is determined to help others escape the horrors that she survived. Make sure to pick up the memoir, The Cave by Amani Balor and Rania Abuzaid for a memoir that expands on the 2019 Oscar nominated film by the same name, which documents her experience running the hospital, shielding children from horrific sarin attack, losing colleagues, trying to employ more women in the hospital, and eventually leaving and becoming a refugee. 
So make sure to read about this amazing woman. And thanks again to National Geographic Books for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so the next one, I feel like I'm looking at my list. I was going to say, I was thinking that a lot of the ones I chose take place kind of in the past, but that's not actually true. They're actually, there's a difference I see. So I'm just rambling for no reason. <laughs> uh, but this next one I have is Ilatsoe by Darcy Little Badger. And I like it because, well, I really like the book, first of all, but I would live in this world because it's basically our world, but like with all the mythology and lore like is real and that's in different cultures. So like Darcy Little Badger is indigenous um, to North America as an indigenous person. I forgot their nation, what their nation is called. So it's not just indigenous North American lore. That's true, but it's also like Irish lore and different ones. And I'm like, I think that's kind of cool. They're, they're like, they're like vampires in here. Now I wouldn't want to come across them at night, but there still is a way to deal with them if you do. So I just, I just feel like it's kind of cool that everyone's like belief system is like true at the same time, which might seem contradictory in a way, but in a way it's also not because it's also kind of just like, I don't know. I think it's interesting to see everyone's culture and their culture's origin stories kind of manifesting into real life, I guess. Now the, the, Story itself centers around a murder, which is less than savory. But again, this takes place in basically an alternate uh, version of our world. And that, you know, murder and stuff is part of our world, unfortunately. And I think the main character, Alatsaway, her power is her skill, I should say. I think that's how it's regarded in the book, is really interesting. It's a skill that's been passed down to... Um, certain women in her family. And what she can do is communicate with the ghosts of animals that have passed away. And there's this really cool scene in the book where she kind of like descends into, she basically is like at the bottom of an ocean, like in the, I'm just going to throw out a word I don't know if this is the correct, I'm going to say like paleolithic or whatever, but like way, 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 like a million years ago type of thing. And she's seeing like okay. the animals floating around and stuff like that. And then she like summons them and they help her and stuff like that. So it's a really cool, interesting mythology and lore to learn about. And it was interesting seeing how her, the Apache lore and skills and stuff combated the more like European ones, like the vampires and stuff like that they could banish them and that was fun so I, I i think it would be cool i think it would be cool to live in an alternate you know what we have now but like with magic i know it would get messy but again i think that's you know it's part of life so uh yeah lots of way i feel like i would live in a lots of ways world ah uh, i still need to read that it's fun and every time you talk about it i'm always like yeah i have a copy downstairs i just need to go get it and read it yeah just walk downstairs go get it. <laughs> just just do it right just now downstairs. just do it right now i'm fine awesome all right i want to talk about um my next pick which is the lumetier chronicles by melina marquetta that world is okay so I love the Lumetier Chronicles. Um, the first book is Finnegan of the Rock, and then it's followed by Froy of the Exiles and Quintana of Sharon. And 
Um, Lumetier is this teeny tiny little country in the middle of a larger continent um, with a bunch of different countries. And um, the books, like the series actually covers quite a like large swath of land. And my answer on this is mixed. Like part of me wants to live there, but then the mm. other part of me is just like, don't do it. <laughs> Because yeah. it's kind of it's kind of a brutal series. I love it. It's one of my favorite YA fantasy fantasy series of all time. Like seriously, if if I if somebody was like recommend one YA fantasy series to me, this would be it. Nice. Nice. But the first book starts off with Lumetier as a country being cursed mm. because their royal family is brutally murdered in the middle of the night. And so that causes a bunch of civil unrest. And then a usurper comes in and takes the throne. That also causes a lot of drama. Basically, what ends up happening is a witch curses the entire kingdom. And um, (laughs) because it's such a tiny little kingdom and it's landlocked, um, it has a wall that surrounds it. And so it's cursed so that nobody can get in or out. So if you were out when you were cursed, now you're in exile. If you were in when it was cursed, now you're stuck there. Mm. And that basically, like that curse lasts for many, many years. Um, And then the first book is about breaking the curse. That's not a spoiler to say, because that is that is the purpose of the first book. It's what it's about. And let me tell you that things are not good for the people inside and things are not great for the people outside basically it's not a good time to live in this country (laughs) or in this this continent at all but i do love the series and as the series progresses there's a big focus on like healing after trauma and rebuilding after trauma Mm. and what i really liked about this series is that the first book is you know about what happens to lumetier but then the second and the third book is kind of about like why it happened and in the end the the characters are all left in i think a really good place and i'm not going to say that like oh everything's fixed and everything's happy now there's still a lot of brutality in this world but like it's the type of thing where I'd be like, oh, okay, I, yeah, I would, I think I would want to live there by the end of the trilogy. Yeah. Like, then I'd move in. Yeah. But beforehand, nah, you could not pay me enough. So that is my yes slash no answer. Yes, that makes sense. I realize I messed up because I gave you two places that I will live in. And it makes more sense to do one would and one would not. Oh, that's fine. You understood the assignment. And so, yes. Thank you for <laughs> making sense. But yes, I remember you always talking about that. And that's another one that I feel like we mirror each other. I'm like, oh, I need to read that one. When did you when did you read that series actually? Oh I when I first read the series, mm-hmm. um, I gotta stop and think about this for a second. Probably like 10-ish years ago. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um and then I read I mean, I reread it this last summer, so oh, this is why it's like kind of fresh in my mind. Yeah. yeah, it's one of my favorites, and and I think about it all the time. And I liked if I had it my way, if I had like all the time in the world, I would reread it every single year. But I, I love don't, it. don't have the time. Yeah. So yeah, you know, sometimes it feels like I feel like kind of guilty. I'm like, why am I rereading? I have all these other things I need to read. Oh, but <sighs> certain ones, if they can get you to that place, like invoke all those. Those old feelings, it's worth it. Um, but yeah, that one is definitely on my list. It's been there for a minute because of you. So I need to get on that. A world I would not want to live in. 
And another thing too, it's like with this, these worlds, you know, these disclaimers we're giving, like I'm coming into this world when this character is like at her worst. And the book is Bad Witch Burning by Jessica Lewis. Great book. I like I liked it a lot. The main character. All right. So the main character is going through it. None of it is her fault. Well, all right. She makes some poor decisions, but like the reason she's in her predicament is not her fault. And she's just trying her best to survive like we all are. And she's young and she's, you know, just like doing her best, really. So it centers around this girl. She has this power. She can communicate with the dead, basically. And she uses this to make money. Um, She's kind of like in this small-ish town. And her mother, like, doesn't work, if I recall correctly. And she has these, like, deadbeat boyfriends. And they mooch off of Cottrell, the main character, who is, like, the only one working at certain points. And she works because she doesn't want to be homeless and she wants to have food and stuff like that. And so there's a lot of trauma in this. And even with that, sometimes you kind of want to, you want to like, like yell at her because she can't see what her mother is. Like she keeps giving her chances and it keeps like really destroying her until it's like, and, and her trauma and pain gets redirected towards people who don't deserve it. But again, she's coming from coming from a certain place and it's all understandable. It's just frustrating to see it play out. But the reason I wouldn't want to live here. So those are all Cottrell's problems, right? And it's like, if you live in the world, you don't necessarily have the same problems as Cottrell. But as the story progresses, she she finds out that she can kind of like bring people back to life. She can summon them back. So people who died recently can be brought back to life Mm. exactly and so she gets warned about this from one of the ghosts she regularly speaks to because again she makes money from speaking to people's deceased loved ones and they're like hey uh don't do that (laughs) don't do that but she's making so much more money from bringing people back to life that she's like oh i can't not make this money like She drops out of school and stuff like that because she's focused on doing this. So things start to go wrong with the people that she brings back, though. I won't say what happens, but it gets maybe also because I'm a weenie from Weenie Hut Jr. You know, SpongeBob. Shout out to SpongeBob. (laughs) Definitely. I definitely frequent the Weenie Hut Jr. So. I would not want to live in this because uh, this was legitimately scary at times. I was like, oh, girl, run. Oh, my God. Don't go in there. Um, but, yeah, it starts to go down. So I'm like, I would not want to live in a world where someone can summon people back from the dead and then this happens. So also um, trigger warning for, well, child abuse, neglect, and animal abuse, too. So no, not the animals. I know. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, I hope she gets it together. Yeah. I've heard that this book is so good, but also a bit dark. It's super dark. Yes. But it is good. And it also, I will say all of this, all of it could be a metaphor for just, well, no, I, well, no, I will take that back. Not a metaphor. It's not a metaphor. I think it shows how people 
can become trapped in their trauma because of who is traumatizing them, like say family, like if it's your mother, people have mm-hmm. that attachment and it can be hard to to disentangle yourself from people who are hurting you. To like emotionally and mentally disentangle yourself. So it does a good job of showing that, even though it is frustrating. But great book. Definitely read it. Would not want to live there. <laughs> conclusion. I feel that. Oh my gosh. Um, my pick, my next pick is the Ember and the Ashes series by Sabata here. And you all heard about how much we love Sabata here and All My Rage. Um, this is her fantasy series. Um, there are four books in the fantasy series. Have you read this series, Erica? No, I haven't read it. But oh, it's so good. I ha- I literally have the first book on my bookshelf, though. But yeah, so it's really good. However, um, I would not mm. like to live there mm. because essentially the world is inspired by like the Roman Empire Eesh. and their conquering and colonizing and brutality. So like your really Jesus. only good options are like, well, they're not even good options. Your only options are like, do you want to be enslaved or do you want to be an enslaver? And I would personally like to opt out of both of those choices. Yep. But um, this is kind of like the brutal world that, um, you know, you live in. So the first book starts off with um, Elias, who is in this like very brutal military academy. And like, he feels very much trapped in this world, but he doesn't like, you know, the brutality that he's expected to enact. Um, And then um, Leia is the um, other protagonist and she is from, you know, an enslaved and brutalized people. And she's going to go undercover in this military academy to try to like, you know, do a secret mission. She's part of the rebellion. But it's all very likely that she is very much going to be caught. Mm. There is some magic. In, and like the magic is in the first book kind of on the more subtle side. It kind of takes a little bit longer to show up. But then when it does, the magic is pretty cool. Ooh. But still, like very brutal world where it's basically like you gotta be tough and be a fighter and i am not a tough fighter at all so i would not both like i just would not fare very well in this world but i love the books and they are really fun to read and um they have some amazing stakes and danger and they will definitely like rip your heart out but in a good way so ember in the ashes great to read probably not great to visit I need to read that because Sabah, Miss Tahir, honey, with the All My Rage. I know. Got me. I was like, all right, all right, I get it. I understand now. I didn't understand before. I understand it now. So, yeah, absolutely. So, I, yeah, and I don't even know. I don't even know how our ancestors made it out of the worlds that they did because I could not live in the Roman Empire. I could not live in, uh uh-uh. My other would not live in. I have a few choices. And I don't. I'll mention them. I won't talk about all of them. And I chose to to mention some some anime slash manga worlds. There are quite a few <laughs> manga worlds I would not want to live in. A lot of them actually. And this is all. These are all like mostly shown in manga. So. First one is Chainsaw Man by Tatsuki Fujimoto. And it's one of those, like, the story is really intriguing. 
I read most of, I think some new issues came out, but sometime last year I read like the entire collection, like like every volume within like a few days. It is so trippy. It's such a trippy series and kind of weird. In this world, there are, so it takes place in like modern day Japan. In this version of Japan, there are these things called devils and they're really like, they're kind of like random. On the on the other hand, though, when you think of like the little bit I know of Shintoism, like um, Japan's native religion, it's not weird. Just, I guess, different from my perspective. Basically, like different kinds of things have like when things are given a lot of thought and a lot of fear is directed towards them, they kind of manifest into reality and become these things called devils. So say... <laughs> America has what's called a gun devil because like that's a big thing and like there's like I think a shark devil and like different ones so this kid Denji kind of like it's kind of like the last character I mentioned in Bad Witch Burning um Denji is like a teenager he's actually like never been to school his dad dies and his dad leaves him with all this debt and he owes, his dad owed Yakuza, I believe, which is like um, a Japanese gang, right? So now they're like, well, bro, you got to pay us back. You got to pay your dad's debt off. Like, we don't care. Like, you got to pay it. And it's very brutal. So he actually kills, he kills like the devils that he comes across because they like kill people and they, you know, the devils, they wreak havoc and stuff like that. So they pay him pennies to do that. And he's living in these like really terrible conditions. And he's basically like an indentured servant, if not, you know, like basically a slave to this gang. So one day he gets set up by them and they basically think he's going to be slaughtered. But this little dog that has... Now, remember, I told you this is out there. So there's this little dog he found that he named like Puchita or something like that. It's kind of cute. It has a little chainsaw for a nose and it's like a little devil, but he decides not to kill it because it's like cute and stuff. So they become companions. So he's basically like killed, but the little dog saves him and the dog merges with him and gives him his like, you know, supernatural uh, energy or whatever. And it saves Dingy. And so Dingy comes back and he becomes Chainsaw Man and he gets recruited by this like secret organization that kills devils. They like kind of work with the government, kind of not. And so it's a wild ride. And like I said, I read most of it. Some new issues have come out. It's like kind of depressing a little bit. I'm like, I don't usually read like super depressing. Like some of these manga can be an anime. They don't have a problem with killing all the main characters. They don't care. They'll kill them. They don't care. They're like, you can't see... You can't see what's coming next. Your fave might go. Don't get attached. So this is one of those type of stories. Um, but it's also like, it's also like, that can be kind of refreshing in a way because you don't have plot armor. You really don't know what's going to happen next. And it's such a like fever dream type of like story that it like keeps you hooked. So I definitely recommend reading the manga. The anime came out recently, like within the last, I think it came out last fall. It looks really good. I'm a little behind on that. I mean, I know the story, but I would absolutely not want to live in this world. It's terrible. It's a terrible world to live in. <laughs> absolutely awful. But I do want to get caught up with the manga. So Chainsaw Man, 
uh, Tatsuki Fujimoto, you know, good job creating this terrible world that I don't want to live in, <laughs> but I would like to read about. Yes. Oh, yeah. Those all sound, you know, like I said, fun to read about, maybe not so fun to visit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I'm going to have to mention one real quick, Please. because we have a little bit of time and, you know, you can jump in if you can, Erica. I would totally live in the Grishaverse. It's really dangerous. <gasps> yes. I just, but... yes, I just started watching it. Yes. <laughs> Yay. I'm so glad. Um, that's partly why I mentioned it. Cause I was like, Oh, I think Erica started watching it so I can talk about this. Yes. Now, uh, to be fair, I probably wouldn't want to live in Ravka because I mean. of the whole shadow fold situation. I mean, Ketterdam, I'm not saying is safe because Ketterdam is kind of like got all of these gangs and criminal, uh, you know, entities throughout the city. That's where the Six of Crows are, right? Because I kind of forgot. Yes. Okay, I kind of, yes. I kind of mess with Ketterdam a little bit. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Yeah, Ketterdam seems cool. Um, also, I'm with Nina. I love waffles, so Absolutely. I would go to Ketterdam and eat some waffles. Yeah, if I could find like a low key place to just kind of hang out away from all the drama, yeah. I would live in the Grisha first. It sounds fun. I forgot where, because there was like kind of a place where the black people were, and there were a place where there were like more Asian people. Those two places look fun. They, look, I was like, okay, yeah. let me sample some of this food. These little street, you know, street vendors. That was cute. And that's kind of, I think, a cool thing that like the TV series has like explored a bit mm. because. In the TV or in the the books, like we you don't really go to Shuhan, but what? like you do in the second season. So oh, yeah, wow. so the the TV series has definitely fleshed out those worlds a bit, which is kind of exciting. I see. Okay, yeah, I just got to. I just started the second season. I feel like. All right, we have a little bit of time, and I'm excited to talk. I'm gonna talk about a little bit. <laughs> like I'm not gonna do too much, but. I finished the first season and I felt like, cause I'm following your um, recommendation of like, when I asked you what you, how you thought I should approach the series of like watching the show and then going to read Six of Crows. That's what I plan to do. So I, I feel like I got more invested in the show, like as I progressed in season one and then season two, I'm like, Ooh, this is really, you know what I mean? This is really good. Like the yeah. beginning of season one, and it also was like, you know, part of it is becoming attached to the characters. I wasn't necessarily attached to them. Um, and also learning the world. There's something about the main character that I found a little annoying. But maybe that's just me. Just a little bit. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, Alina. Like, Alina, it's interesting because once you get into season two, that's when the show starts to go, like, further afield from the books. Oh. Yeah. And so, um, like, you know, you still have the characters and, like, I think the spirit of the characters is kept alive pretty well. But, um, yeah, like, the se- the season two ending is, like, that, like, basically I'm like, that doesn't happen in the books at all. But oh. it does set you up to then start to get into, like, the Six of Crows plots. Yeah. So, I yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. Yay. I'm so glad that you're reading them or watching the show and then you want to read the books i really like the six of crows characters i really like them yeah and i think that like in the books and in the show they're just more interesting characters they are 
So, I, like, I just tend to think that, like, Lee Dugo, she was a very good writer. I really liked Shadow and Bone when it first came out. Mm-hmm. But for me, like, the Six of Crows, like, it's like she was a good writer and then she just kept getting better and better. And then, like, the Six of Crows was kind of, like, when it, it just, like, it hit. It like, hit. Yes. Everything this is so together. good. Yeah. And it does feel like two separate series almost. And normally yeah. with shows and books, I don't like... I don't always like multiple multiple perspectives because there's usually a perspective that I want to hear more. And then when they go to the other perspective, I'm like, Ugh, when are we getting back to the one I actually want to hear about? But with this yeah. show, I will say each time they switched, I was invested in who they switched to. So that was done really well. Yes. Even though I still, I liked the Six of Crows characters, like just, they're more interesting. I like, I want to know like, okay, what are your live stories? I'm just getting into kind of just found out about what's the leader's name oh kaz kaz's Kaz. backstory yes yeah i'm just figuring that out is really sad i feel like all of their stories are probably sad the other one the shooting one i don't know what his story is yet but it's starting to reveal itself slowly and jasper yes oh my god they're all so fun i love them and so yes i feel like They do a good job with the multiple perspectives. And I also like how even though you have this um, this magic, um, like the, you know, the whole magic system, they're not like overpowered. The magic people like the six of crows can still hold their own. I mean, there's a little more to that that was revealed also. Yeah. But so no spoilers. But I mean, you got the wraith. Oh, girl, she can, you know finagle out mm-hmm. anything so it's like it kind of balances things yes yeah and it, i forgot everybody's name <laughs> they're all powerful in their own ways yeah. and yeah the people who have magic it's not necessarily like oh now you're the one in charge or you're the one in control like it's very nuanced which yeah. i appreciate and i really like uh the uh the darkling's mother I like her. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So if you haven't read anything in the uh, Lee Bardugo Grishaverse, definitely go go read Shadow and Bone. Mm-hmm. Go read Six of Crows. They're so, so good. And yeah, despite the dangers and despite the risks, I think I would live there. Same. Absolutely. <laughs> well, now I feel like I want to do this with every YA fantasy yes. novel I've ever read. Yes. But unfortunately, we just don't have the time. <laughs> Yeah. So um, thank you so much for tuning in this week. We appreciate it. Feel free to leave us feedback on the show. Um, you can leave us feedback on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and just lets us know how we're doing. And it also helps others to find us. So thank you for that. And of course, you can always reach out and contact us at heyyabookriot.com. Don't forget to visit bookriot.com for newsletters, more podcasts, and of course, all things bookish. Thank you again to today's sponsors for making the show possible. And thank you so much to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. She really makes us sound very pretty and not like a mess. (laughs) So we appreciate it. (laughs) Uh, You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I hang out at at Tears of Price. And what about you, Erica? I, oh Lord Jesus, I'm on Twitter, y'all. I may have to make some changes. I'm at Erica underscore EZE underscore. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure some things out, but yeah. Yes. Uh, I hear you. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you again in two weeks. Until then, happy reading. Happy reading. Bye.